Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Master Duke Podcast. And what a blessing it is for me to share the Word of God with you. What a blessing it is to be uh, doing podcasting. Thank you, uh, Pastor John Westfall, for being my mentor, setting me up, showing me editing, all that you do to uh, uh, let uh, this part of my journey uh, be successful. At uh, over almost 22,000 downloads now uh, at one year uh, times five, they say uh, five listens per download, over 110,000 listens. That's pretty cool. I'm just a, a country bumpkin, but I'm excited to share with you uh, today, just getting back into the Word of God here. I was doing a missions conference in Uniontown, Pennsylvania about a week or so ago. It was a Sunday evening service. There were some testimonies. The mother church was hosting two baby churches. It was an amazing group of people. Love the Lord. So fruitful, filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. And a little gal uh, starts telling a story about something that God was doing in Afghanistan and they're left behind and uh, they have opportunity to leave. They choose not to. They want to stay behind and, and win people to Christ, which is why they went there in the first place, a lot of these Christian missionaries. And uh, she used this phrase, which literally became the title of the message I was just about to preach. So it was that little unction of the Holy Spirit. Uh, she said, you just never know. I'm like, oh my goodness, that is the title of the message that I'm going to give to the church that night. And I'm going to share that with you today on our podcast. Biblically, uh, there's a story, the Apostle Paul, first missionary journey starts with Barnabas, John, Mark, they launch out. And it wasn't very far into the first missionary journey until John Mark just uh, quits. The Bible doesn't say why. It just, uh, it just says he departed. And it kind of angered Paul, evidently, but it just it's just left there. And they go on to a fabulous first missionary journey. Uh, they come back to Caesarea Philippi, and um, they give their uh, report, furlough. They're ministering there. And then it comes time for the second missionary journey. A little problem arises. Uh, John Mark sort of back and rejoins the team. John, and Paul says, no, ain't going to happen. Uh, Barnabas says, yeah, you know, Barnabas, son of consolation. Now, Barnabas was Paul's mentor. You know, Paul was uh, kind of the baby Christian there among them. And Barnabas was the one that kind of extended the right hand of fellowship to Paul at the church of Jerusalem. And so he's the guy that was really mentoring Paul. And they, they were really, really close. Barnabas, you know, separate enemy, Barnabas and Saul for the work we're on to have called them. Barnabas was kind of the leader, but he could see in that first missionary journey that this Paul guy, God's got his hand on him. And he's growing, and he is a much better front man than I am. And, and Barnabas was able to just kind of sit back and, and let Paul be the guy, which is really neat. It says a lot about Barnabas's character, son of consolation. He just brought out the best in people. So he's a really good guy, really easy to get along with. And everybody seemed to love Barnabas, and Paul loved him as well. But now it's time for the second missionary journey. They have a conflict uh, yeah, uh, Paul says, uh, John Mark, he, he, we gave him opportunity. He blew it. Uh, he's not coming with me. And the Bible says they had no small disputation. They, they kind of went at it, and these guys love one another. So the resolve was this. They parted company. And Paul said, you can have uh, John Mark. He can go with you. I'll take uh, Silas with me. So now you have two missionary teams. So some good came out of that bad. But, you know, here's best of friends having a major spat. And uh, Paul wants no part of John Mark. And so 
they're sort of divided, but they coordinated their efforts. Paul said, you know, you take that last half of the journey. I'll take the first half of our last journey. We'll go back to those churches. We'll strengthen their hands. And so they launch out. Paul's into this missionary journey now, the second one. And uh, he's praying, Lord, I'll go to Bithynia. And the guy says, no, you're not going to Bithynia. It was a closed door for Paul. It's the first one you ever read about in Scripture, a closed door. And, oh, I know, we'll, we'll go to Asia. And God says, hey, Paul, you ain't going to Asia. And maybe I'm reading too much into the text, but that's a second closed door. And Paul's not really accustomed to that. And probably he's reflecting back on an argument I had with uh, Barnabas, my mentor. We sort of broke fellowship over that. Maybe I was wrong. And, you know, as a, as a preacher, I love open doors. I've had doors closed. I, when I went to Bible college, I used to sign the yearbooks, Duke Kurgit, missionary to England, Duke Kurgit, missionary to England. I'm going to England. And then uh, I had things lined up, 80% of my support raised. I had an apartment uh, uh, secure in London to work with a, another missionary who'd been there for a few years. I was going to be his assistant, and I was going to come home and raise a little bit more money, go back on my own. And uh, it was all set, and then the door clearly slammed shut. I'll tell you, that was an emotional thing for me. Uh, it's kind of humbling. And so I had closed doors, and uh, Paul had two closed doors back-to-back. -back. And so he, he's going to bed at night. I'm just imagining that he's kind of doing a little heart search. Lord, are you, are you trying to teach me something? Is, it, is, it, is this on me with John Mark? Should I have forgiven him? And, you know, they can't go on Instagram or Facebook and instant messenger and, and catch up, make up. I mean, they're just, they're separated. It is what it is. But then that night, <laughs> that very night, he gets the, in a dream, he gets the Macedonian call, come over here. And uh, he had no clue what was waiting. You just never know. So he responds, knowing the Bible says assuredly that God was in this. He goes to, uh, crosses over that part of the sea in, into Macedonia. The first city he stops at is Philippi, uh, pagan city. Uh, they don't really know where to start. Uh, a lot of times they would go to Jewish synagogue and start, but there are really not many Jews there. And so they don't really know where to start. So they go down by the river uh, on the day of rest for those people those pagan people, and they run into Lydia. Lydia gets saved. She's wealthy, which is kind of interesting in that pagan ancient world. She's a merchant woman. She gets gloriously saved. She throws open her good, beautiful home for the church to begin to assemble at her place, and things just start happening. She's a woman of influence. She invites out her friends. A church is, is getting started there in uh, Philippi. They're quickly arrested, Paul and Silas. They're thrown into jail. Uh, they're in stocks and bonds. They'd been beaten in the, in the midnight hour. The Bible says they were singing hymns unto the Lord. The jailer hears this. Uh, he hears their praise and worship, and he's just like, these people are crazy, but, man, they're interesting. Why would they do this? How can they be so happy under the situation? Then comes a uh, little local earthquake, breaks open their stocks which and locks on the doors. It's not normally how uh, earthquakes work, but it was, it was supernatural. It was a visitation of God. And the jailer sees it. He gets it. He knows it. 
the God of this Paul and Silas, these guys, he, he, he's the real God. And he'd heard, no doubt heard a little bit about Christianity. He was moved. He gets saved. He takes them home. He nurses their wounds, and all heaven breaks loose. Well, in the morning they come back, and Paul and Silas uh, speak to the dignitaries of, of the town, make known to them that uh, we're like Roman citizens. You beat us uncondemned. And now the leaders of the uh, town are in trouble <laughs> with the Roman government, their own people. And they realize, oh, boy, these guys got us over a barrel now. And so the doors are wide open for Paul. The, the dignitaries no longer can tell them what to do. So even in the hardships, uh, God was in it. God was using their suffering to throw open more doors. You see, the thing that's really neat is closed door, closed door, open door. You just never know. And that church at Philippi, it seems like by way of affection, might have been Paul's favorite church. I'm sure he loved them all and that, you know, but it was something really special how that church got started and the people were there. He writes later, he writes the epistle to the church at Philippi, Philippians. And uh, there's like no rebuke to the church except for two ladies, Yodis and Syntyche. They're kind of going at it a little bit. And Paul says, oh, cool, you know, cool your jets there, girls. But man, the church stood behind him financially uh, for the years to come. There was something that really happened significantly. And I think there's a message in there for us. You know, closed door, closed door, a little bit of an issue. He didn't get along and carrying that weight. I'm sure Paul confessed it, asked the Lord to forgive him and search my heart. Am I being too hard on John Mark? But the bottom line is, you know, there's a human side of all of this. And Paul, <laughs> the door swung open. And when God opens a door, no man can shut it. And when God shuts a door, no man can open it. And so that's kind of a biblical model we see in Scripture. But that same model that you see in Scripture is kind of how it works in our lives today. It's kind of like how it has worked through church history. I love that phrase, you just never know. And I'm going to share with you uh, some things that I have observed that some of these things came before me here in the capital region. And then I got kind of got pulled into this God sequence, if you please. You know, God is moving from this person to this one. Philip findeth Andrew and saith unto him, we found him of whom uh, the prophet spoke Jesus. Now to come, come see. And so that's how God works. And we get to be a part of that. So here, here's the story. A guy named Ralph and a guy named Ed are working at the Ford Motor Company Green Island, New York. It's actually an island in the Hudson River. Ford Motor Company, they make radiators uh, for Ford. These guys get on fire for Jesus Christ. Back in the early 70s, they brought their Bibles to work at break. They'd have prayer meetings and Bible studies together. And the rest of the guys, they called them the God Squad. They made fun of them. You guys are crazy. This is insane. Ha, 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 you guys. And, but they stood, and they stood strong and had great testimonies. They were good workers. People were watching them. One guy in particular was watching him, an Italian guy named Sal. Sal was kind of a meek and quiet guy, good worker, solid. And he, he started asking them questions, and they gave answers. He was Catholic. They had both come out of a Catholic background as well. He asked a lot of the Catholic questions uh, that, that people ask, you know, is there purgatory? Is there not? What do you mean being saved? And Long story short, Sal gets saved, and he's on fire for Christ. Uh, another guy there goes to my church today, Jack. He meets these guys. He hears the gospel. He gets saved. He's a pillar in my church today. This is 
almost 50 years later. Are you kidding me? So when God begins a work, it just, it starts taking off. So Ed, Ralph are on fire. Here comes Sal. Here comes Jack. There were several others that came to Christ there, but Sal had two daughters. He was a member of a church that was small, uh, had two teenage daughters. They were very beautiful girls and, uh, they didn't really have a youth group. They were just kind of in an adult church, small church, no, nothing really to do. And the world was kind of coming in on these girls and they were kind of hard and they did not yet know Jesus. So Sal hears about a new church that's being started in Clifton Park, Half Moon area, <laughs> me, Temple Baptist now church and Newtown Road. He hears about it. There's a young pastor came out of the world drug thing and and a lot of young people are gravitating toward him. So he, he, in desperation, he begins to attend our church. We meet his daughters. My wife and I take them out for lunch. They were thrilled, and they, they tuned right in. And those girls soon, uh, Kim and Marianne soon came to Christ, and they, they were great gals. And so now Sal's girls are saved. Sal's girls are on fire for the Lord. Over the course of the next few years, they meet their guys, That kind of the missionary dating thing. There's not a lot of Christian men up here. And they win their, their guys to the Lord. Tony came to Christ. Marianne's boyfriend uh, came to Christ. And now they're married and they're pillars uh, in their churches as well. So uh, Kim, <laughs> it's time for her to get married to Tony. And uh, her maid of honor, uh, Dawn, comes to the church for the you know the wedding this and the wedding pre this and there's no booze and all this kind of stuff it's christian and don was newly married and no foundation her marriage was on the rocks she meets me she hears the gospel at the wedding dawn gets saved her husband gets saved god began to do wonderful things in their marriage and they had friends dawn shares the gospel with her good friends uh, chris and donna brown chris was deaf it's kind of neat. We had a wonderful deaf ministry in our church. Chris is deaf, but he really wasn't like deaf deaf. He was hearing deaf. He spent the first 28 years of his life hearing. So he kind of has a hearing brain, but deaf ears. So he tried to read lips and with his wife, she would speak very distinctly and she was able to communicate and his daughters, they got by a little bit with uh, reading lips, but it's very limited. So we had uh, sign language in our church, which he did not know. So he's deaf. He comes to the church and it really changed my ministry. The only thing Chris could get out of my preaching was what I wrote down. So I went from preaching off of a little outline to preaching from a text. I wrote out 12, 13, 14, 15 pages of notes because the only thing he got from my preaching is what I wrote. So every day, uh, every Sunday, I'd make a copy of uh, well, I had my handwritten copy of my message, make a, a photocopy for the deaf ministry so they could know where I'm going. And then a copy for Chris and he would sit at church and read the text. God called Chris to preach. He, he could speak wonderfully because he had a hearing brain. He spoke for years from Long Island, had a pretty heavy Long Island accent. You know, he drank, put a, had, had coffee every morning before he went to work, you know, one of those kind of guys. And uh, he's a godly man. He got on fire, became a mighty preacher and evangelist. He's now with the Lord. But Donna got saved. Chris got saved. All their kids got saved. All going back to Ralph and Ed. Well, that's just part of the story. Uh, Don got saved. Her husband, Chuck got saved. Chuck winds up, he's a builder. He winds up building our, what is today a multi-million dollar worship center. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? You just never know. So Chuck and Don live in a little apartment complex in Clifton Park, a Swedish couple. 
Anna Lee and Shell. They're not married. They come to, from Sweden on a one-year job assignment. They have two little girls. They're not married. That's typical in Sweden. And so Don witnesses to Anna Lee, and Anna Lee says, I came to America to party. But just before uh, they came to America, her father died. He was a heavy drinker and smoker, and he was a very successful businessman. But there was a sensitivity in her heart. She just lost her daddy, and it was like the mortality thing. And, you know, you die. What happens after that? And even though she came to party, she was kind of a wild child from a wealthy family. She uh, had a big hole in her heart. And Dawn witnessed to her, invited her out to Bible study, invites me over to meet the Swedish girl. And I didn't know what to think and introduced the Bible study program with, with her to her. And she jumped in. And started learning the Bible. I think it was maybe three weeks later, uh, Anna Lee got gloriously saved and her life began to change. Now, her relationship with Shell, uh, her boyfriend, now her husband, uh, wasn't very, <laughs> it was it was kind of messed up. And she would say she was very mean to him. Well, I, 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 but she began to really treat him well after she got saved. So I went over and knocked on the door of their house to, to witness to Shell to invite him to Bible study. <laughs> I knocked on the door. Door opens. He's standing there. Of course, I'd never seen him before. He's wearing a red, pair of red bikini underwear. Welcome to Swedish culture. Whoa. I, I was just glad it was him in the bikini underwear, not her. So it was a little awkward. And he's such a sweet guy, and he was very nice. I, I told him what was going on on Pastor Duke. He'd heard about me, and he, now he sees me. And it was it was kind of awkward. And I was two other guys sitting there drinking beers in their their little bikini underwear too. Now there's nothing, uh, there's no homosexual activity or anything like that at all. But that's just kind of they're just a little different in their culture. It's summertime. It's hot outside, and uh, that's what I ran into. So you never know uh, what you're going to run into in upstate New York, knocking doors. He said, uh, thanks for what you're doing, but I'm, I'm really not interested in studying the Bible. But as time went on and Annalie's life got conformed more and more to the image of Christ, and she was faithful every time the doors are open at church, she's there, we're doing Bible study, he could see the changes. So it comes time for them to uh, go back to Sweden. She's going to go back home a month before him. I, I knocked on their door again, and I went back to Shell and said, hey, uh, I don't mean to be pushy or anything, but... Annalie uh, is going back and, you know, would you like to maybe think about doing that Bible study program before you go back home? And now he'd seen so much in her life. He's, yeah, he goes, whatever happened to her is good. And I am interested. So we jump in. We did two a week, one at their house, have Swedish dinner. And let me tell you, this girl knew how to cook. Uh, taught us a lot about Swedish food. It's really, really good. And then once a week, we'd have them at our place. And I taught them about Italian food and so we were doing two a week. Annalie goes back home. Uh, Shell's going to be around for a month. And every night of the week, somebody in our church invited him to their home to share a meal with them so he wouldn't have to be alone. And he saw the best of the best of the best of our church. And he had heard me say this phrase that I got from my pastor. You got to learn to walk the woods, son. Walk the woods. Don't ever let the same guy that went into the woods come back out of the woods. And uh that resonated in his heart. And so he went home after going through all these Bible studies and seeing the best of our people, been in church about a month now. He went out in the woods and uh, got on his knees and committed his life to Christ. Now, it's really interesting. The nation of Sweden was so close to the gospel. They had made official from their parliament a law, a decree, that no Christian missionaries could come into Sweden. We don't need that. 
the state church was nearly dead, and we don't need any more Christians coming in here messing us up. So <laughs> it's officially a closed nation. But it's interesting in Revelation, God says, oh, you know, when God opens the door, nobody can close. When he closes the door, no man can open. We're going to experience that. And so Sweden closes the door to missions, so they think. But there was a loophole. If someone in Sweden wished to bring somebody into the country for almost any reason, they could. But those people had to be financially able to get by. They couldn't get a green card and work and take a job away from another Swedish person. Now, I'm giving you all these details just to show you that God is bigger than the Swedish parliament. God is bigger than anything that's happening in Washington, D.C. on either side of the aisle. He holds in his hand the heart of the kings. So Sweden, a closed country, but they invite me over, and I'm their friend, and I, I get in, and I preached in their little Bethel church, and uh, it was running about 10 Long story short, after we had gone in and kind of introduced them some new thinking, another person got saved. Evelina gets saved. Annalie flies back to America to get baptized in our church. <laughs> you talk about commitment to Jesus. So we get into Sweden. Long story short, that little Bethel church grows from about 10 to about 50. A whole bunch of Swedish people get saved. And uh, we were able to get four missionary families into Sweden over the course of the next 10 years because of that little loophole. So the officially we closed the door. God said, you can't close the door on me. I can get the gospel in wherever I want. And so today there's many, many believers in Sweden that will be watching this podcast. So uh, kudos to all my Swedish friends, uh, Shalin Anneli and Burja and Svenguna and Magnus and all these Swedish names that these are some of my very most precious friends in the whole world. So Here's the crux of this. You just never know. These two guys are in Ford Motor Company in the early 70s in upstate New York, which is not exactly the Bible Belt, but they're on fire for Jesus. Sal gets saved. His wife gets saved. His girls get saved, ultimately, in our ministry. Their boyfriends get saved. Kim brings Dawn to Christ. Dawn brings the drop next to Christ. Chuck builds our building. Uh, they win the Browns to the Lord, another Pat preacher rises, a mighty preacher. And from the, from each of these are like a, a new row of dominoes that are going down. And I know that God has done exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think uh, through. Uh, this is just where we're picking up in the story right now. And we know that there's more people coming to faith in, in Christ through the Brown ministry in, in Florida, through uh, the ministry in Sweden, those open doors, people are coming to Christ. And it all comes back to those two dudes in Ford Motor Company. What's really cool is like five years ago, I was able to sit down with Ed, one of those two guys, Ralph is with the Lord. Ed is still here. He's in his mid-80s now. I sat down with Ed. He's about 80 years old. And the only part of this story he knew was Sal got saved and his girls got saved. That's all he knew. He didn't know the rest of the story. And when I told him the rest of the story that I know, which is really not the rest of the story, but it's just my segment of the story, he just sat speechless. I watched tears run down his face and he looked at me and used the title of this podcast.
you just never know. And I think of uh, my coming to upstate New York, the door slammed shut to go to England. <laughs> I was so broken hearted. Oh, what am I going to say? All these people do Kirk missionary in England and you never made it to England. <laughs> Years later, I got to go back and visit and really like it over there. London is probably my favorite city in the world. But we came to New York. We didn't know one person here. We arrived in July of 1978. We knew we were in the will of God. He was with us. There was no welcome wagon. Nobody glad that we came. But God brought us here. We knew that for sure. And the doors began to open. If we just think back to that July 1978, first service of the basement of the Key Bank, main intersection of our town, uh, Temple Baptist Church is born. And it had been put into our DNA to start a church that would start other churches. That's exactly what we read in the Bible. It's, that's the Bible DNA, and that's the DNA that was taught me in my home church at uh, Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, where I attended. It's all I knew. So we wanted to start a church that would start churches. Here we were unfunded, going to have to find secular work in order to pay my bills, which we, we did. I worked uh, UPS. I worked uh, driving school bus for, for five years. I was bivocational. We just did whatever we had to do to survive. My wife babysat, and we struggled through, and God miraculously provided our needs, and you just stop and look back. And we use this title again, You Just Never Know. And so here we are, 1978, and we push the button. Fast forward, boom. <laughs> 2000. 21, you fly up over the uh, um, capital region in a little helicopter, if it were, and you look down and say where the Hudson River joins the Mohawk River. And right there in the middle of Half Moon is Temple Baptist, now Church at Newtown Road. And from the little cubicle I'm speaking at, really not the Whaley Wall, but uh, East Greenbush, New York, a church we helped establish here, another church we helped establish in Clifton Park, another church we helped establish in... Um, Hoosick Valley Community Church, Berean Baptist, uh, now um, forget all the new names of all the churches, Gilderland, New York, Schenectady, New York. One of our baby churches had a baby church in Schenectady, New York. And so today there are eight churches where there was none. We started one that started others. And I look back and I remember we weren't anybody special, but we were surrendered to God. And when he say jump, we say how high. We uh, we trusted him for everything. He brought us here. He was with us when God guides, he provides. And he did a parade of miracles. Throwing a lot of that up on previous podcasts, the miracles God has done to get us here. And so you just never know. And just look at your situation, wherever you're at. You know, The devil comes to you and tells you you're dumb, you're ugly, your mother dresses you funny, and you're nobody, and God will never use you. And he points out all your sins. He's accused of the brethren. You're nobody. You're a loser. God can't use you. And he's just a big, fat liar. That's not true. But all you have to do is put your eyes on Jesus. Put your hands on that plow of the gospel. Plug into your local church. Follow the leadership of your pastor. 
Find out what needs to be done in the church and do it with all of your might. Build your life in, on, through, for the local New Testament church. The Lord will expose and and bring to light your spiritual gifts, and he will bring a Don Drobnik into your life that will bring other people to Christ. They will bring other people to Christ. They'll bring other people to Christ. There's just these two dudes down at Ford Motor Company. All the rest of the guys are making fun of them, Ralph and Ed. But they didn't succumb to the persecution. They kept their eyes on the Lord. They just did the next right thing. There were fires burning, and one by one, people came to watch them burn. And you just never know what God's going to do with it. It was exceedingly abundantly above all that they ever guessed. Then I look at us, same thing. We had no clue what God had up his sleeve. Then I look at you. You just never know. So don't... uh, underestimate yourself and definitely don't underestimate God. Hey, thanks for tuning me in this, uh, (laughs) my first video podcast. Sorry to be a disappointment to you. Uh, This is who I am. If those of you who haven't seen me till now, most of you have seen me in your churches where I visited, or you've seen me on according to John. Have you tuned in according to John yet? He's the guy that started this whole thing up. Uh, pot, what is it? According to to john.podbean.com or just on any of uh, the podcast stations it's all there so we're a team we want to get the gospel out to the ends of the earth hope this uh was a blast for you see you next time remember jesus loves you he's big he's strong he's coming back let's help other people to be ready as well thanks a lot bye for now